Hello, everyone. We are Reminder Media, and this is Stay Paid, the sales and marketing podcast on a mission to help you close more deals and retain more business so you can live a life of freedom tomorrow, but only if you take action today. I'm Luke Acre. I'm the president of Reminder Media, and today, again, I'm without my colleague, Josh Stike. He is on the road at a conference, but I'm super excited because I have not only one of the best salespeople that I've ever met and known, but someone who's really near and dear to my heart. He's actually related to me. He's my cousin, and he leads up our recruiting. His name is Ethan Acre. And it's exciting to have him on the show because we're going to talk about a topic that has been all-consuming in our business today, which is how do you hire salespeople? What do you look for? We particularly hire a ton of inside salespeople, so they're on the phone, but we have experience with outside salespeople. So we're going to talk about that. I'm going to let Ethan share his story. So Ethan, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm here with Luke, the uh, above the noise. I'm really excited to (laughs) to be here with you, So this is going to be kind of tricky because Ethan has all this blackmail on me, so I'm hoping he doesn't share stories. We grew up together. He was talking before we came on the podcast about a scar I gave him down on his thigh, which was like 86 (laughs) stitches, and so it really wasn't my fault. We were playing football, and he just ran into a water spigot. I don't know why he did that. I outran him, and that's what happened, because I was faster than you. I ended up with a big scar. I will admit he is faster than me, but I am smarter, and that's really what matters in business. But in all seriousness, I'm glad to have him on this podcast, because Ethan and I have kind of grown this company together over the last seven years. And Ethan has had a unique journey and just kind of attacking problems. But Ethan, give them kind of the 30,000 foot quick summary of your story. And then let's dive into this topic of how do you hire salespeople? What should you look for? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, my my story is is unique compared to most people's because I was I'm here because of opportunity right Luke and I share the same last name of the most brilliant salesperson that you'll probably ever meet the the CEO and founder of Reminder Media and so when I graduated school I I knew of Reminder Media but my thought process was not I cannot wait till I work at Reminder Media that was not on my radar <laughs> but timing is everything that was probably the opposite of your radar I am never gonna <laughs> it was work close. At Reminder it, was, Media. it was pretty close my my dad was one of the original sales reps and so I was around it never really considered it went to school for criminal justice I met my now wife as a senior in college, and she lived in uh, Marlton, New Jersey, which is right outside of Philadelphia where we're located, and she wouldn't want to date me long distance. And so I I moved up here. There was an opportunity. I wanted to date this girl, which was my favorite opportunity. Isn't it amazing Uh, how we all move for love? Yeah. It's it's (laughs) kind of sad, I've been married for four years now, so that's my best sale to date right there that we can talk about. (laughs) That's true. I I would agree with that. Yeah. So I I came up to Reminder Media when there was probably about 50 employees total altogether. I was one of four inside sales reps at that time. Totally different organization, totally different in our processes. And sometimes we listen to those old phone calls and it sounds bizarre of what we were even talking about. Like it was, it was a weird time. So I started off in inside sales, had some success. There was a need that popped up. And this is like the kind of the start of my journey is I I kind of moved wherever there were needs. Right. And so I moved from inside sales to presentation sales um, then presentation sales. I became our corporate sales guy. So I was out on the road and, and working with some corporate clients and, and doing speaking events. And then from there, I moved into sales support. So I was working with all of the leads and the development of the leads and the processing of leads. And then from there, there was a need for uh, retention. And so um, there was um, no, no real retention department at that time. Uh, and so they asked me to step into that and kind of restructure that and process and, and everything along those lines. So I did that. And that was successful. And then the biggest need became people. And, and how do we hire good salespeople? And how do I identify good salespeople? 
And so then I moved into recruiting. And this is my home. I mean, I tell Luke this Well, you found your passion here, really. It's like, it's funny. It's like when we put you in retention... Uh, not that it was kind of the death of you, but I, I tended to always put Ethan. It was close to the death of me. I tend to always put Ethan in my greatest problem. So if there's a problem in the organization, specifically when it has to do with like sales, is I tend to always put him in that position to try to help me figure out the sale, help me figure out what to do. And so, you know, when I moved him from retention, which was almost killed you, into recruiting, the difference in just your enthusiasm and your passion. Yeah, sure. I mean, it was right away. And yeah. you see this. This is a point that I would make to all business owners out there. When you put somebody on the right seat of the bus in their gift, you just see it. It, it totally. happens in, in their persona and how they carry themselves and then the natural talent of what comes out. And that's what happens. Yeah, you. I think it's cliche as all, all else. But if you believe and you enjoy what you're doing, it does not feel like work anymore. It really doesn't. Like, I do not come into work, quote unquote, anymore and think, like, oh my gosh, like, this is going to be a hard day. Like, I'm excited. If I miss work, I'm bummed. Like, I'm, I'm bummed I don't come to work, you know? So, so finding my passion in recruiting has just been huge for me, but I think even for the organization. So, so let's talk about this question that we're trying to answer, which is, you know, in our organization this year, our goal is to recruit like 134 inside salespeople. Yeah, 134. So 134 inside salespeople. So it gives you an idea at like the hyper growth we're experiencing. So how does somebody go about identifying, you know, we have brokers on the line. They might be recruiting agents. We have insurance people that are probably listening. I say on the line, but I really mean listening to our podcast. But we have people listening that are probably recruiting people for their organization, specifically sales organizations. What should they look for? What should they go after to help them recruit somebody and not not waste a ton of money because we've wasted a ton of money over the years recruiting people that didn't fit in sales. So give us some of your advice there. Yeah. First thing I would would say to that is that there is no magic formula in this. Like I'm going to break down some tips that we have and some things I think will help not make as many mistakes. But my promise to you is is you will continue to make mistakes in your hiring. Like you want to be as efficient as you can but there is no magic formula in, in what we're going to talk about today is, is my first tip, first and foremost. The second thing that I would really talk about is that, you know, when I, when I moved into the recruiting world, one of the things that, that I wrestled with was, okay, what made me successful in this? Like, why could I sell when most everybody else around me was not selling? Right. Like, why could I sell when most people would fail? I would say, I tell in my interviews all the time, I think 98.9% of the Earth's population cannot sell. Right. And so I wrestled with, I, one of the questions I ask in my interview is, you know, okay, what allows you to be successful in a world where most everybody else around you is failing? Um, and I'll get the list that I thought of, right. You know, I'm, I'm extremely confident. I am a social butterfly. I can be extremely empathetic. I'm a good communicator. I'm type a, I like things done my way. I'm well organized and all those things. Here's the problem with that, that I really found. Is that if if I took my wife, right, and I and I put those attributes, you know, or I assess my wife on those attributes, my wife is one of the most extremely empathetic people right. you'll ever meet in your entire life. She's Italian. She is type A as you can possibly <laughs> imagine. She would run my life to a T, right? She played division two college basketball. No offense to all the Italians. No offense listening. to the Italian. They know it. Everybody <laughs> knows it out there, right? She played division two college basketball. She is extremely competitive, even right. today, right? And yet she's not a salesperson. And so when people say, yes, I'm, I'm a good communicator, I'm, I'm confident, that doesn't make you a good salesperson. I think that's mm-hmm. an attribute. And I think the more attributes that you have, the better you're going to be in sales, right? The more of those like 
skill set. I think the more money you can make and the greater you're going to be. But those aren't what I would consider differentiators. And so as a recruiter, what I'm looking for above all else is not the attributes, but the differentiators. And so in my interview process, when I'm interviewing, I'm not saying, okay, are you a good communicator? That's fine. If you don't have a differentiator, I think as your building block, all those things will fall apart. I agree. I think you're touching on something that is the most common mistake that people make is that they tend to go very, I don't want to say the surface level, but I can't think of a better word to describe it is the number one thing you hear on interviews all the time from salespeople is you go, you know, Hey, why do you love sales? Yeah. Why do you get in sales? And they go, I just love people. Yeah. I love Then get out of sales. Don't do sales sales because you're going to face rejection after rejection (laughs) and you're going to end up hating people (laughs) because the truth is if you're like a super social butterfly, a lot of times, and I know this from my personality and we'll talk maybe about personality tests because we use that sure. in our hiring process. Sure. But I know like my personality, I, I like like being affirmed. Yeah. I like when people affirm me socially. And so, you know, just actually being a social butterfly, which I am, doesn't help you necessarily be a great salesperson. Totally. But yet people make that mistake all the time. Yep. You're going to talk to somebody that's going to come in on an interview. They're going to impress you by their personality and their ability to like talk and mm-hmm. socialize. That doesn't make mean they're going to be an unbelievable salesperson. Yeah. It's, it's a trait it is. that can help, yeah. but it's not the differentiator. Yeah, attribute. Yeah, so that's what you have to do as, a, as, as someone who's hiring a salesperson is do not get caught up in the attributes, right? And so one of the things that, that I've learned, and, and I'll let you have your point, is is one of the differentiators, and I'm going to kind of add to what you were just saying, I, I feel like in sales, the key differentiator that I have found is, is the people who understand at the core the game that they are playing and the enjoyment of that game. Right? It, it goes so like what to, do you mean by game? Like explain that to the people listening. To yeah, this. What sure. Do you mean by game? And, and so when in sales, you have to understand that this is a numbers game that you're playing. In right. any sales organization, I don't care if it's in real estate or insurance or inside sales or marketing or, or whatever you're selling, you will lose more than you will win. Right, that is why you're you're able to make money in sales is because right. is because you have to lose and you have to be okay with that, right? And so if you understand the game that this is a numbers game, and you understand that if I make 150 phone calls a day, 148 of those people will tell me no, right? And so every time you answer the phone, I expect you to buy. But if you do not, I'm not surprised. Mm. I'm not I'm mm. not thrown off. I am not changed. My personality stays the same. I stay consistent. I work hard. I I'm aggressive. I'm I'm persistent. All those things will, will build if I understand the game. But if you don't understand the game, that it's filled with rejection, then everything else of the persistent and good communication and being a social butterfly, that will fall apart very, very quickly. Oh, man, I 100% agree. I think you see that trait not only in salespeople. I think you see it in, like, I think of just watching basketball last night, watching the 76ers play. Is I, I, Yeah, yeah, seriously. It Gosh. just makes me so angry that, that they lost. It was terrible. terrible. But the point being is that you see it in athletes like LeBron James. Yeah. Tom Brady, you see these freaking athletes have this trait. It's almost like, I'm not sure what the book is exactly titled, but it's like seek the no or embrace the no, no. which is I think what you're touching on, which is this idea that it literally is, why does it bother you? I walk past so many salespeople on our floor a lot of times and they're just staring at their screen. They're staring and they're not clicking that dial button. And I, and I tell them guys, 
thinking about it only makes it worse. Why are you scared? You'll probably never see these people again. If they hang up on you, they're never going to come back into your life. It's a powerful point. How do you, is there any tips you can give of how you kind of try to weed that out on an interview? Yeah, it's, that's the most challenging part. Um, I think one of the things that separates Reminder Media from so many organizations is I, I realize that I am dealing with humans. And, and I'm trying to get to know them at a human level. Mm. Like I was hearing from a recruiting firm recently where they were rejecting people who were not sending thank you emails in sales. Wow. Like that, they were saying, okay, it doesn't matter how talented they are. If they don't send a thank you email, we're out. And I think I realized because I came through sales, like I know kind of the human side of this and I understand sure. that game. So it allows me to actually interact on a human level. And so all of my interviews, if you've interviewed with me before, and I think people would give this feedback, I'm very laid back. It's a natural conversation. I want to get to know you in a way that I say, okay, in your life, are you able to demonstrate that you understand these games? Like, are you able to go through rejection and bounce back and be the exact same person the next call? Right. right? Our best rep, Liz, what makes Liz great, she is a great communicator, but what makes Liz great, and I think you would agree with this, is that she is the greatest sales amnesia I've ever met in my entire life. Mm. Like, she makes a phone conversation, and if you tell her no, in fact, she'll beg you to tell her no a lot yeah, it of doesn't time, phase her. Right? She will be the exact same bubbly, energetic person from 9 a.m. to 5.30. And this is what makes Reminder Media great, not to give us a plug. You come to Reminder Media at 9 a.m. in the morning, and it is rowdy, it is energetic, and there's people closing, people having fun. Come back at 5.45. And it is rowdy and it is energetic and it's people having fun. There's people closing deals because they all understand the game of which we're playing. And so what's helped us is being able to say, okay, are you a real person? Do you understand exactly what you're getting into? Mm. Like, yes, are you confident? But do you understand the core of the game that you're going to play? You're going to make phone calls. And most of these phone calls are going to tell you no. How do you deal with that? Like, how do you bounce back for that? And then give me life examples. Like, Mm. give me examples of your life, where you're coming from. Your, your upbringing. Do you know this? Yeah. World? What challenge did you overcome? In yeah. That? That's, what's, what's the, like the interview question would be, Hey, what's one of the greatest challenges in your high school? Right. Yeah, age. Those are, those are when you ones. went through your high school age and college age, what was the greatest challenge? And what you're, you don't want to give them the answer, but what right. you're looking for is what did they describe as the greatest challenge? Because if totally. it's something really simple, then you know this person's probably totally. not going to do a great job overcoming great challenges. I think an incredible point that you made, which is I think so many people overlook. It's a game, which means it's a choice, right? Oh, yeah. So, so a lot of people feel that it has to be totally natural. It's, it's, it's who they are 100% of the time. That's not the truth. Yeah. You describe Liz. Liz is probably not, and I know this because you know, I've known her for a while now, but she's not the same at work as she is outside of work all the time. Yeah. So it's a choice. It's a game. You're putting on your headset of your phone just like you're putting on your football helmet totally. when you go out on the field, and it's a choice. And so it really is looking into that sales rep and going, does this person want to win and understand the game they're playing, or are they just kind of walking into this thinking that it's kind of going to fall into their lap? And that's what I see with salespeople all the time. It kind of just they think it's going to fall into their lap. Yeah. So then talk to us. So we're talking about, you know, this idea of the game. Yeah. What are some other attributes that sure. you look for or differentiators that you look for, whether it's with reminder media sales yeah. reps or that you found kind of in your journey for yeah. salespeople? I think I actually have the number one to that. I'll speak confidently okay. about that. I think the number one attribute are like one of the building blocks that you have to look for in a sales rep is, is self-confidence mm. and not confidence because everybody will sit across the table from me and tell me they're confident, but I'm talking about a self-confident individual because within your first month of a new sale, it will be challenging. 
Like it will be difficult. It will be a new sale. You're going to be working with probably new type of clientele, new processes, new script. If you're on that, you know, whatever it may be, it's going to be new. It's going to be challenging. And so what I notice when I look at that floor, there's, there's two groups. There's one group that says, oh, this is, this is hard. This is harder than I thought. This is actually really difficult. <laughs> I actually think this is impossible for me. No, you know what? I think this actually is totally impossible. And then they go into depression. Right? And then when that happens, their effort goes down. Yep. Their, their coachability goes down. They become very defensive. And then the other group, the self-confident group, gets to that first month. And you know what they say? No matter how hard it is, if Luke's doing it, I can do it. If this person's doing it, I can do it. Mm, if this person's powerful. doing it, yep. I can do it, right? It's the self-confidence, the people who actually believe in themselves and saying, if everybody else is doing it, there's 167 people on our floor doing this, I will not fail. That is the key foundational block of a sales rep. And so what I do in my interviews is I don't care what you say. I'm just going to make you feel as uncomfortable and awkward as possible <laughs> and see how you bounce back from that. Like I will challenge and I'll be the devil's advocate to every single one of your answers, right? Mm-hmm. And so my goal is not to learn necessarily about, yes, communication, I'm assessing those things, I'm assessing culture, but what I'm doing in my interviews is as a sales rep to, to assess sales specifically, my goal is just to make you feel uncomfortable and oh, how you that. bounce back from that un- uncomfortable. When I used to interview, I don't get to interview nearly as much anymore. When I used to interview people, I always do this kind of like five whys which is, you I've know, always heard Luke's interviews were really, really hard, yeah, really hard. Because <laughs> what I was doing was the, the same type of ideas you're challenging and you're going, well, why that? And yeah. then they give their answers like, why'd you get into sales? And they go, well, I love people. Well, why do you love people? Yeah. Well, I love people because I like going out on Friday nights. Why do you like going out on Friday nights? And yeah. you just keep digging yeah, and digging. Totally. And, and you're looking to see, well, how resilient are they? And, and how quick-witted are they? And like how much can yeah. they come up with kind of on process. their own? Um, it's, it's interesting how you say that self-confidence because, you know, really in my life, if I look at my own journey and, you know, being 29 years old and, and running this company, it, people ask me all the time, hey, how, how do you do that? And it really is, I've just always had this belief that, hey, you know, if Steve Jobs can do it, I can do it. Yeah. If Mark Zuckerberg can build a company, I can build a company. Totally. If Grant Cardone can do it, I can do it. Doesn't mean it's not an arrogance thing. You can't it's borderline. You, it's balance. borderline arrogance. You can never get to the point where you're looking down on people or you're treating people poorly because of it. But it's it's about just knowing that, hey, look, you have that potential inside of you, and that's what you're going for. I've always said, and I don't know if you agree with this or disagree, I've always said there's two things that make an unbelievable salesperson. One is belief, Mm -hmm. right? And the other is work ethic. And the belief, I always break down into two parts, which is kind of touching on what you're touching on, which is one is the belief in what you're selling. It's the cliche, but it's if you don't believe in what you're selling, you'll never be able to sell it. The other, which is more important, is the belief in yourself. The belief that you actually have the ability, right? And then after that, if you have the belief in the product and yourself, then you just got to put in the work. So you can never let go of the work. So you got to test somebody's work ethic. How do you look for work ethic? by the way. That's just a good tangential point. Like, do you look at their resumes? What are you looking to see? Hey, is this person actually, yeah, they're telling me they look self-confident. They, they are telling me all the right things, but how do you tell if they're actually going to put in the work? Yeah. Those are, again, not a lot of magic formulas in that. Resumes is, it, I'm not a big resume believer okay. in, in my interviews, but that is one of the areas that you can look at, okay, when things get tough, what do they do? You know, and so you can look at a professional and you can say, you know, I, I'm, I'm a student of, of recruiting. And so I can tell you all the firms 
in in the Philadelphia area. I can tell you how much money their sales reps make. I can tell you which ones are hard, which ones are really not great sales positions, and then which ones are are kind of cushy and you can kind of coast by because maybe they're so big. And so I kind of look at that and I can see when people are in like a tough sales world, like their sales are tough, their clientele is tough or whatever, and yet they battle it out for three years. I think those give you some some signs. Um, that's, I think, one of the areas that it's, it is difficult because some people interview very, very well and then they get on the floor and you can realize it's pretty I want to make sure the people listening caught that because I think that's an extremely powerful point and it transcends just recruiting yeah. and also his sales. What he just said was he, he knows the industry. He knows his competition in the community. So he knows the other firms all around us, the other marketing companies, yeah, yeah. the sales the salesers, and he knows about their sale. So when he's looking at a resume, that, that's amazing. When you're looking at the resume, you basically know what it took to sell at that competitive yeah. company. I knew how much you were making. Yeah. I knew how many phone calls you oh, were man. making. I knew how many doors Such you were knocking Such a good point on. because that transcends to, if you're not, I mean, you're not a recruiter, you're sales, right? Because you're recruiting people and you're selling people. Totally. But if you're on the phone for us selling, you know, real estate agents, insurance agents, helping them with their marketing, you need to know the competition. You need to know the industries. You need to know all those things. So yeah. that's an incredible point. So yeah. let's talk about the PI real quick that we use, because yeah. I think it's a good practical application point that yep. we should make to people. We started implementing a couple years ago, I would say. I would say about two and a half, three years two, now. Yeah, two and a yeah. half, three years. It's called the predictive index. It's basically, you know, like a, I would say a cousin to the disk assessment yep. or, you know, like a Myers-Briggs type yep. test. But it's, you know, 26 questions or something that somebody answers and it basically spits out someone's personality. We have found that what is it? Three different personalities work on our yeah. sales floor or do really well. It's, it's kind of weird. I always tell people it's not a guarantee for success. Sure. But it's probably a guarantee, yeah. It's probably a guarantee for failure. Like if someone is oh, yeah, a you know like that. an a- analytical person and yeah. it's coming, not that it's just the position's not right for them. Have you found success with the personality? Yeah, index? it's crazy. So we actually have four personalities on our sales floor, and we don't have a lot of like odd odd men out. Like mm-hmm. I have right now, I have one that's kind of blowing my mind. That might be like a new new personality. It'd be an interesting case study to see if they make it long term. Well, they to are. Say They've actually way. set the record for oh, um, the most amount of sales in five months. Maybe we have a new one on our hands. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's something that it really allows us. Again, I would not base all of your decisions on this. I really want it. And, and I would do it for at least five years before you really make it truth. Right. Um, but it definitely gives you insight of, okay, do they have a shot, you know, type of deal. Um, because you don't want to, you can only fake things to a certain extent. Like I think it's the same as any relationship. When you first get into a relationship, it's the greatest relationship on planet earth. But then six months later, real personalities will come out. And that's mm, when it gets yeah. hard. And so I think some people can fake sales for the first six months, but then it just becomes too difficult to fake. The, per, the, the predictive index will really paint for you a picture of their real personality. Like, are they faking this? Or is this who they are at their core? And so it's been really, really helpful of us getting to know those people you know, day one when we start with them. It really has been interesting. And then to see the kind of like my personality versus like my peers and the other people I work with. So not only can it be used in your recruiting, it can be used in team building to figure out like the strengths that maybe where your team is weak. Uh, So it's really been beneficial for us. So I'm looking forward to seeing kind of where it goes for us and how we measure it. But it's something very practical for you guys. So there you have it, guys. We're going to wrap up this podcast with that. That is, you know, some tips and tricks to help you hire some top 
top salespeople in your business, please go to staypaidpodcast.com. Please listen to the podcast, share it, rate it, review it. Check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Leave us a five-star review and a comment. Want to hear your thoughts because we want to improve and we want to make sure we're teaching and talking about the things you guys want to hear. So guys, I'm going to end with this. This is the action item for the podcast. We want to close every podcast with something tangible that you can take action on. Ethan talked about the differentiators, and I think a great action item would be a 10-minute exercise where you sit down this week and you literally write out what is the differentiator in your business for you when it comes to sales, because you're probably the main salesperson right now in your business. What is it that separates you versus everyone else? Write that down, and if you need help figuring out some of those differentiators, go to like 16personalities.com. You can take a personalities test, do the disc or the predictive index. It will tell you your personality and some character traits of you. You can list those as, as you look to try to hire top salespeople. So the difference between a top producer and a mediocre producer is top producers take action. So take action on that today. 